Welcome to Lifeology. I am James Miller, your host and a licensed psychotherapist. I'm looking forward to spending this time with you as we learn some pretty amazing life lessons. Let's get started. I would love to connect with you. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M Lifeology. I am also very active on Instagram and create many videos with quick tips and tools that you can immediately implement. Be sure to say hello and follow me there. There are thousands of amazing self-help books out there, but what happens when you're struggling at the moment and need help now? Well, my new book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook, is your new go-to self-help book. I wrote it specifically for when you don't know how to overcome a challenge. Each chapter gives you a framework on how to tackle your situation. I help you focus on what already works for you. Your situation today may be different, but the emotions you're currently feeling, you felt them before, and you did something that helped you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. This book is specifically written to help you overcome any obstacle you may face. Purchase your book, Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. Once again, purchase Life Lessons, You Are the Experts on Your Life, a workbook on Amazon or at your favorite bookstore. My guest today is Dr. Aditi Nuraker, who is a Harvard physician, multimedia personality, high-profile medical correspondent, internationally renowned Fortune 50 speaker, and a nationally recognized stress expert. In today's episode, we talk about her new book, The Five Resets, Rewire Your Brain and Body for Less Stress and More Resilience. Welcome to Lifeology. Thank you so much for having me. Well, first off, I know we talked to the pre-call, but I totally butchered your name and I apologize, but I appreciate your <laughs> flexibility with my, with my accent. <laughs> You didn't at all. <laughs> Thank you. Before we get started, I know so many people are like, okay, this person, she has all these accolades. She is, and in fact, my viewers and listeners, I didn't read half of the stuff she's done. So she's, this woman is brilliant. So in that, how did you decide that you want to get into this profession? You know, long before I became a doctor with an expertise in stress, I was a stressed patient looking for answers. <laughs> I was that. in my medical training. I was working 80 hours a week, as you know, wow. sleeping every third night in the call room in the hospital and seeing death and dying on a daily basis. Yeah. I wasn't taking care of my health. It was the farthest thing from my mind because I was taking care of my patient's health. I wasn't sleeping mm -hmm. well. I had erratic food habits. I certainly wasn't exercising. Yeah. Just there was no you know, there, I was in survival mode. And so well, I was a senior resident working in the cardiac ICU, taking care of everyone else's hearts and not paying attention mm -hmm. to my own. And suddenly post-call one day in the morning, I was rounding on my patients and I started getting this flutter in my chest that soon became mm -hmm. a stampede of wild horses. So mm -hmm. that was a real moment of reckoning. I sat down and I was, you know, sweating and Immediately, the nurse noticed something was wrong. I'd worked with her for many years. She mm -hmm. brought me some orange juice. I drank a little bit, sat down, and she said, oh, maybe it's low glucose. You were, you know, you sure. didn't sleep well. I said, okay, yeah, probably. And the feeling passed within seconds. And that was the last time I experienced that during the day. And I was able to function and perform perfectly at work. But what would happen is those palpitations, those stampede of wild horses mm -hmm. would follow me at home. And for several weeks, right as I was going to bed, I would feel that sensation in my mm. heart, the palpitations. It was terrifying. I then went after several weeks of having this and it impacting my sleep. It never happened at work again, but it surely impacted my life because it, you know, of course yeah, it happened at course. night. So I went to my doctor 
and they did the million dollar workup, right? So I got my blood tests and um, for anemia and thyroid and electrolytes. And then I did, they did a heart ultrasound. They did an EKG. Everything checked out oh, normal. Everything, yeah. And so then the doctor smiled and reassuring said, oh, go ahead home. You're good. Everything's normal. It's probably just stress. Just try to relax. I know it's hard with <laughs> medical training. And so I went home, not reassured at all because night after frustrating night, I would get these palpitations, yeah. never during the day. And then I tried to do whatever she told me to do to relax. I watched movies. I had dinner with friends. I went shopping. I had a spa day. I spent more time with my loved ones mm. and family. Nothing seemed to help. Yeah. And that is when I started to really get extremely frustrated and start looking for answers. So that is when I put on my scientist hat and then dug deep into the science of stress and how it impacts your brain and body and how you can get out mm. of it. Yes. And slowly but surely using all of the techniques in the research, I probably read every single study on stress in the brain and the body. Um, I just had access to it as a medical mm -hmm. resident and found my way out. And slowly but surely, it took me about three months and I was yeah. able to get better and the palpitations have never occurred again. And so when I went through that episode, it was terrifying, frightening, isolating, demoralizing, frankly, because I went to mm -hmm. the doctor and yeah. she said, everything's great. You're fine. Yeah. Go home. You're good. I know how it is. Stress and medical residency. We've all been there. But again, you know, it didn't feel that way. It felt very isolating yeah. and I was alone. So once I found my way out of the dark tunnel of stress, I wanted to become the doctor I needed mm. at that time and couldn't yes. find. And that led me to a fellowship at Harvard in mind-body medicine. And then I became a assistant medical director and then the medical director of an integrative medicine program. Mm. In that time, I did a lot of research on bringing stress management into conventional medical care. And what I learned was really startling that 60 to 80% of all doctor's visits have a stress-related component. That's not to say stress causes wow. these visits, yeah, sure. but rather there's a factor of stress that plays in and contributes to every, 60 to 80% of doctor's visits. And yet only 3% of doctors are counseling on stress. And I wanted to be the doctor who closed that gap and yeah. vowed to focus on that. So that's what I did in my clinical work. I focused on stress management counseling for patients mm -hmm. and I would see patients solely for that. I, they would see lots, you know, they'd have a team of doctors mm -hmm. and their doctor sure. would refer to me. And then through that clinical work, I developed a approach that is science-backed oh. because of my personal experience mm -hmm. as a patient and then seeing thousands of patients after that as a doctor. Yeah. So the five resets is the culmination of that 25-year-old oh, journey yes. from a stress patient <laughs> to a doctor with an expertise in stress. And yes. it has all of the learnings, per, both personal and professional, lots of research. Most importantly, the five resets has five small but mighty mindset shifts mm -hmm. along with 15 scientific strategies. And most importantly, they are free so completely oh, yeah. cost-free because yeah. I think that's really important when you see patients of all, all walks of life. That's something that's top of mind for me and low time cost. So most of these things only take 5, 10, 15 minutes to bring into your yeah. life. And so that is my origin story of how <laughs> I became who I am today. 
I, you know, it's, it's interesting, you know, hearing the aspects of you, you know, you're, you're in, in residency, you're doing all these things. And I think for a lot of us in, in diff, diff, different fields, we are so busy helping other people that sometimes we forget to help ourselves. When you hear, when, I'm sure you've told that story many times, but when you think about that, all the hard work you doing, you were doing, and then you were also struggling as well. Do you ever put those two together as far as the professional and the personal and, and how maybe you saw it, maybe you didn't see it? You know, now I am much quicker to pick it up. So if I start noticing, because life is stressful for every single person right now, today, in a room of 30 people, 21 people have some form of stress and burnout. So if you're feeling wow. any of these things, you're not alone. It's not your fault. And so that's sort of like the first message I would say. And yes, very much so. I feel stress all the time and I manage it using the five resets, believe it or not. In fact, this book is coming out next week and I have doubled down on all of the teachings in this book because it has helped me so much. I will also say that one of the ideas that I have really let go of, I talk about in the five resets, it's this idea of toxic resilience. So when I was a young medical trainee, when that doctor told me, it's probably just stress, try to relax. My first reaction was stress? Me? No, stress doesn't happen to people like me. I'm resilient because I was taught at a young age in my medical training, pressure makes diamonds, Aditi. And I was a diamond in the making. So the idea that too much pressure was making my diamond crack was yeah. absolutely <laughs> absurd. And I rejected it wholeheartedly. Now, 25 years later, I understand that what I was manifesting was not, in fact, true resilience from the scientific mm -hmm. perspective. It was toxic resilience. Toxic resilience is this idea that we are supposed to have productivity at all costs, yeah. ignore our very real human limitations, and be the energizer bunny mentality. Yes. Instead, yes. true resilience is about honoring your human limitations, mm -hmm. looking at yourself through the lens of self-compassion, and yes, creating so some boundaries so you can say no to things to really preserve and protect your yeah. mental health. When, when it comes to stress, people have different ideas of what stress means. So we have the medical version of that, and then we have the emotional version of that. Can you walk us through the, your version of expertise, or excuse me, your, um, your definition of stress, which is the right, right one, the healthy one. Help us understand that so we're on the same page when we talk about the stress and the, and the five resets. Yeah, great question. So not all stress is created equal. In fact, there are two kinds of stress. We have the healthy kind of stress. In scientific mm -hmm. terms, this is adaptive stress and the unhealthy stress. Scientifically, it's known as maladaptive stress. Everything in your life that is good was created because of a little bit of healthy stress. Getting a new job, graduating from school, buying a new car, meeting your new best friend, rooting for a sports team. All of these things that are positive forces in your life were created because of a little bit of healthy stress. Yeah. It's when stress goes haywire that it becomes dysfunctional, rampant, unproductive, maladaptive, mm. and unhealthy. Mm. So the goal of life is not to live a life with zero stress. That's biologically impossible. We Correct. need a little bit of stress. It's to live a life with healthy, manageable stress. And that is really the essence of the five resets, to bring that unchecked runaway train of stress away mm -hmm. from unhealthy levels back to a level that is healthy, adaptive, 
productive and something that mm-hmm. can serve you rather than harm you. When a person experiences maladaptive stress, are they able to take that event or that situation and move it into the, the healthier version of stress? Of course you can, but it does take time and a little bit of practice. When you are feeling that unhealthy stress, the part of your brain that is active and that's firing and hyperactive is the amygdala. Your amygdala is a tiny almond-shaped structure deep in your brain. I won't use too many scientific terms, but it is whole purpose is survival and self-preservation. That's its focus. And Mm -hmm. so when you are feeling a sense of stress, if it's acute stress or chronic stress, whichever it is, that amygdala is revved up. You can shift away from amygdala fight or flight mode Mm -hmm. over to a more calm and resilient state, but your brain has to switch away from the amygdala and back towards this area of the brain called the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, if you put your forehead, if you put your hand on your forehead, it's the area of the brain right behind your forehead. That is the area that governs memory, planning, organization. It helps you create forward strategic planning. When you are feeling a sense of stress, you are living in the here and now. It is survival mode. Getting into that prefrontal cortex thriving mode requires a little bit of work. And that's what the first reset in the book, The Five mm. Resets, is about. It's getting you yeah. out of survival mode back to thriving mode, but it does take time. Give yourself about eight weeks because it takes eight weeks to build a habit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you can get there, but it does take just a few minutes every day to eventually get there. But absolutely, I have seen it yes. thousands of times, success stories of people who were drowning in their own stress or people who were stuck in the dark tunnel of stress and found mm. their way out. I am my own success story because yeah. I was able to do <laughs> that for myself. <laughs> One thing I always tell people, and what I teach as well, is I talk about the first and second response. So the first response is going to be that amygdala-driven response. Like if someone startles me, you know, I want to fight them or kill them or whatever. That's my first startle response. And so that could be, and when life happens, we respond in a way that is so disempowering that we just don't know what to do. And then that secondary response is that free prefrontal cortex response of this is a situation. What do I do? What are my options? And so in that you find agency, you find power to be able to overcome that. So I'm glad, you know, I take it from the the psychological approach. Obviously you take it from the medical approach and in your book, you teach the specifics of how to do that. But I want to do transition into that. Your book as well. The five resets. What happened there? You're like, you know, I need to write this book. The world needs it right now. What would happen for you in your own life that it was time for you to write this book? I was seeing patients in a clinical practice in Uh Boston, seeing patients one-on-one, And what I noticed immediately is within the first couple of years of doing that work, that my patients would all sit next to each other, shoulder to shoulder in a packed waiting room. And then they would come into my office and the door would close and they would burst into tears. Mm. People would, you know, you would see people outside in daily life. And so often we keep it together at all costs. And then only when we feel psychologically safe, like when you're talking to your doctor, does it really come out? Mm. What I noticed is that whether it was my 11 o'clock patient, my 12-15 patient, my 2 o'clock patient, everyone had the same stress struggles. Of course, it manifested differently based on their life. But stress, very quickly, I realized stress was a universal Mm. force. And yet it was completely isolating for every single person. If only the people in the waiting room could turn and look at each other and say, hey, I'm feeling this. How about you? And Mm. so no one does that, right? That's not how society works. We keep it within ourselves. And that's the great stress paradox. We are all universally struggling based on the data today. 
yeah. out of in a room of 30 people, 21 have stress and burnout. That's the majority. Mm. So if you have any of these, wow. you're not the exception, you're the rule. Yeah. And yet we're not talking to each other about it. We're not sharing with each other. And we know that, that when we do share, we normalize and validate That's, our own difficult yes. experience and others. Mm-hmm. So that was something that I noticed one-on-one. Now, during the pandemic, my work shifted and I started speaking to large multinational organizations and audiences. I started speaking to people, you know, tens of thousands of people mm-hmm. What I about stress and burnout. And what was fascinating to me is that even at that large scale, I still noticed this stress paradox. Yeah. So I would speak to a large group and then my favorite part of any talk is the Q&A at the end. Mine too. (laughs) Right? Like you get to really engage with the audience and answer questions. And it's just my favorite part. And during that Q&A session, every single one, the questions would come fast and furious. The questions would come fast and furious. And what I noticed is the same sorts of patterns, except on a larger scale. So it wasn't Mm. one-to-one in a clinic anymore. It was tens of thousands of people. But again, the same patterns. And doctors, the way we are trained is that we're trained in pattern recognition. So if someone Mm -hmm. comes and sees you for a headache or, or belly pain or chest pain, you ask a series of questions, you've seen this sort of pattern thousands and thousands of times, and then you can make a diagnosis. And that is what started to happen to me. When I started seeing large groups of people I started having that pattern recognition on a much broader scale. And truly, it is the audiences that asked me to write a book. For Mm. 10 years, I've had publishers reach out at various stages of my career because I've done Mm. a lot of media and health communication. It is my passion. Aside from medicine, media and health communication is Mm. absolutely my passion. I wanted to be a journalist long before I wanted to be a doctor. Now I get to do both. But at (laughs) the time, I always said, like, no, it's not. It's too much, you know, writing a book. It was not on in the agenda at that time. And once my audiences really started asking about a deeper dive into a lot of the topics I spoke about, and I started noticing these patterns, these universal truths about stress, is when I had that sense of really wanting to serve the people I work with and that I speak to. And that is what was the real spark and catalyst Mm -hmm. for writing the book. Because when I noticed that this was not something that happened one-on-one anymore, the pandemic sadly was a real sea change, you know, and it happened on an individual and collective level, much broader. Yes. Yes. When, so the book, the the five resets, I I obviously want my viewers and listeners to purchase the book. Can you walk us through a couple of those? And so they have an idea of some of the, some of the ways in which if they're dealing with stress, which we all are, what are some things and some initial steps they can take? Sure. So the five resets are five small but mighty mindset shifts that help you transform your relationship to stress and burnout away from stress and more towards resilience. In the book, The Five Resets, there are 15 science-backed strategies. So Mm, every reset has a couple of science-backed strategies. And we can start with the first one. The first reset is find what matters to you most. And Most is capitalized, Mm M-O-S-T. That first reset creates a roadmap for everything that is to follow. We talked a little bit about amygdala mode and fight or flight mode, what you call Mm -hmm. the first response. Mm -hmm. When you are in that mode, it is very difficult for you to take certain steps that you may need to get out of that mode and onto something that might be a little healthier for you. What I have noticed with 
thousands of my patients, myself, my friends, family, and the audiences I've spoken to, is that many of us know what we need to do or what we want to do. There's no gap in knowledge or information. We all kind of know like, yes, I want to feel less stress or maybe, yes, I want to stop smoking or drink less or you know, lose weight or exercise more, sleep better. We all have our health goals. Yes. The issue is not knowledge or there's no gap. There's no issue in knowledge or information. Mm-hmm. The real gap is in action. How do I get myself okay. from where I am to mm-hmm. where I want to be? That feels like a schism. It feels like a vast distance between your origin and your destination. Yes. And my work with whether it be patients or audiences is to help people close that gap so that it doesn't feel as far from where you are and where you'd like to go. And the first reset does that. It creates a roadmap for you. There are three strategies in that first reset that will help you create a roadmap from where you currently are to where you'd like to go, say, less stress. You don't have to think about this in biologic or scientific terms. It's very practical and laid out because that's how I would teach my patients. What will happen, though, is as you go through the first reset and create your most goal and create a backwards plan and all of the other things that I lay out for you in that first reset, what will happen to you is that you will naturally move out of amygdala mode and move back into your prefrontal cortex. And it takes a little time when you lay this out because, unfortunately, sometimes we get in our own way. And so mm-hmm. when you are feeling stressed and you're in the amygdala mode, it's very difficult to make plans for the future because that's not how the brain works. Yeah, and so really the first reset is about honoring your biology, working with your biology rather than competing against it mm, to like override your stress response and get back to less stress and more resilience. I really appreciate that. And in the, in the first, that first step there, is it more of a situationally based? So for example, I'm experiencing stress right now, or is it more thematic based as far as my life, the themes of my life? The it depends. So typically your brain and your body can adapt to short-term stress quite well. Mm-hmm. That's how we're designed to handle that kind of short-term yeah. stress. Unfortunately, most of us, including you and I, have been living through these times where there is just chronic stress, the onslaught yeah, of stress on us has been un, unrelenting for the past probably four, four yeah. or five years, but certainly in the last four years. And so you can use that first reset in a situational way, but most likely because of the data that I shared that most of us yeah, are feeling sense. a sense of chronic stress and burnout, mm-hmm. you might have situational stress. Yes, it is helpful for that, but chances yeah. are what you are currently experiencing is situational stress on top of existing Uh, chronic stress. So your amygdala is already on high alert. It is already firing. And so adding an extra thing, which several years ago, you might've said, okay, I can handle this. Now (laughs) you get to that breaking point. (laughs) Now you are really running on fumes because your brain and your body have a biological Mm -hmm. need for rest Mm -hmm. and recovery. And our brains and bodies weren't designed to sustain this level of cyclical trauma, grief and stress, frankly. And so that's what the first reset does. It helps you bring yourself, your brain and body back Mm -hmm. into balance, gets you clear on your plan and your roadmap to then be able to handle it. But you have to get to a place where you are able to, you know, essentially fill your cup first. Only then can you fill Mm -hmm. another's. 
Yes, I, I like the forward thinking aspect of it because you know the more creative we are, as far as what is my most, how do I how do I want to how how do I want that to look? That creative aspect, like you said, just removes that whole fight or flight. You know, you're, you're not in the survival mode; you're actually in the thriving mode. And so, I really like to see you know how you help, help people do that. I, I think it's such an empowering thing because so often we think that this is my life, this is how it's always going to be. But like we were talking about, being able to what is my most? What is the thing that I, I want the most? How, how do I want my life to be? That gives a person so much imagination, so much joy, so much excitement, because once again, they're moving into a place, as I said, of thriving other than just surviving. The, the other big question that it helps you answer is, instead of using your inner critic to say, what's the matter with me? Why do I feel like this? Instead, mm. it reframes it. It's not about what's the matter with you. It's about what matters to me most. Mm. I like that. I like that because once again, that goes into one's one ethics, one's morals, one's just, you, you, you get to create your own, your own life. And I think with that, once again, we don't have, you're removing that inner critic allows a person just to say, the world is my oyster, you know, for lack of better words. And I think that's once again, so exciting, especially during a time of stress when people, that's all they can see is just really what's in front of them. That's pretty scary at times. <laughs> especially now more than ever. Yeah. Yeah. I know we only got to the first step, our first reset. I know there's so many more. I, I've really enjoyed talking to you. You and I could talk about this all day, but unfortunately our time is up. <laughs> if my viewers and listeners want to find out more information about you to, uh, to learn all the amazing things you're doing and to buy the book, The Five Resets, where will they find all this information? So you can buy the book and read more about the book at fiveresets.com. That's number five resets.com. And you can follow me on all social at, at Dr. Aditi Narukar. That's at D-R-E-D-I-T-I-N-E-R-U-R-K-A-R. Well, wonderful. My viewers and listeners also know that if I can't find this information any other place, simply go to the show notes at jamesmillerlifeology.com and I'll link you with Dr. Aditi Nurkur. Once again, I said it wrong, but that's the best I can do. I'll have all your social media, all your handles there, and they can purchase the book uh, from that website as well. So thank you so much. I really appreciate all your expertise. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I also want to thank you, my listener, for tuning in today. Please subscribe to this radio show through whichever portal you join me today. Also, please go to my website where you may sign up for the free weekly recap, watch my YouTube episodes, read the articles I've written specifically for you, and purchase my previous guests' self-help products. If you'd like to work with me, be a guest on or advertise on this show, visit jamesmillerlifeology.com. Be sure to follow me on all social media platforms under the name James Miller Lifeology, except for Twitter, which is James M. Lifeology. Once again, thank you so much for your support, and I'll talk to you soon.